Big Red Overreaction is on the air, featuring the most important voice of all, yours. Brought to you by Burton AC, Heating, Plumbing, and more. When your plumbing's hurting, just call Burton. Equitable Bank. We take banking personally. And Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill. Personal foul. Defense leaping the punch shield. Number You're 29. Right. It'll be a 15-yard penalty from the previous spot. Automatic first down. Man, are you kidding me, Sebastian Castro? And why? Why? Today was indeed a good day. Uh, Nebraska beat Iowa 24-17. Iowa made another special teams error, which was leaping the punt shield. Sorry against the rules. Can't do that. Can't do that. You can do that. Big Red Overreaction with Connor Happer, Ravi Lula, Chance Oliver, brought to you by Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill. We head back to the phones on the Les Hills Harley-Davidson hotline for Jeff, who is next. Hey, Jeff, good evening. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Mickey Joseph for having the boys ready to get the first one in eight years. Uh, but personally, I kind of disagree with the rule hire. I think the rule hire might be – it's a repeat of the Mike Riley hire, in my opinion. They have a lot of similar tendencies uh, just between coming from low-leverage programs like Oregon State and Baylor, uh, rising them up, and then going to the NFL. Mike Riley went to the Chargers, really went to the Panthers, both franchises not used to winning. And uh, returning back to college, and we haven't seen rule return back yet, but I feel like it's a big risk for this program when it seems like there's a lot of other options that have yet to be played or even mentioned, such such as Coach Peterson or I think legitimately Mickey Joseph. Yeah, and thanks for the okay. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Appreciate you, um, Mike Riley. Two point Robbie. Thoughts? Uh, no, um, that's inaccurate. So I said this the other day, and I don't know, but like. People sort of don't like to admit that a lot of the reason that Mike Riley didn't work out at Nebraska, first of all, I don't know why Mike Riley is such a huge boogeyman. Scott Frost just got done winning 25% of his games. Yeah, but first, first and foremost, Mike Riley was dramatically better than Scott Frost. 19 and 19. Returning yeah. to Mike Riley is the next step in progression before you get good again. Sure. Like, yeah. you have to go through Mike Riley to get to where you want to go. But we... we we sort of refuse to acknowledge that Nebraska, in a lot of their coaching hires, what has underlied them, whether it's we talk about the failures in Callahan and Riley, um, what underlines them is the lack of administrative help and in institutional some, support. Institutional support is is important here, but also you know institutional over support or over you know overstepping meddling in a lot of cases yeah. as well and that was certainly the case with Mr. Eichhorst and Mr. Riley um toward the end there looking at you Bobbyaco I think um I think Mike Riley was a pretty good football coach personally and, and also let's not let's let's I, be real I, here. I know that's like I I don't I don't want to get I don't want to end the sentence there but like if I would have liked to see that scenario in a situation that was healthy from a standpoint of who hired him and what he was allowed to do because it was a it was a gutsy hire that they made obviously but you know it was so much that athletic directors that he wanted this full say and vision on on how it went and what they were doing 
And I just don't think Trev Alberts is that guy. And that's not an athletic director's yeah. job, famously. Yeah. The other thing I will say is let's be honest about what happened in that third year, okay? So first year, they go 5-7, and seven, make a bowl game, win the bowl game. Second year, they start off 7-0, and oh, win nine games on the season, right? Third year, by game like three, we're talking about Scott Frost. Correct. They lost to Northern Illinois. So mm-hmm. let's not pretend like he even got three full years, okay? We bailed on him in three in two and a quarter years. And so so here's the other thing. Like the idea in my opinion of of hiring Mike Riley, although he might not have been the right guy for it, the idea of hiring hiring a guy like Mike Riley with his profile is really really sound. A guy who maximized the talent that he was able to acquire at a place that was difficult to acquire talent. Correct. He maximized. He got players there. Um he got as much as many players as he could and then won as many games as he could with them at various points in his Oregon State career. Had a lot of different experience. Had been at USC. And recruited the the hell out of Nebraska, by the way. Like, he had, he put together quality recruiting classes at Nebraska. So, like, I'm never going to say, hey, that, that idea and how you came up with that coach just because of the result that they got, like that that whole idea, we have to throw it out the window now. Also, let's Because not... what you want to do is get players, and if you're not able to get the highest caliber players that Ohio State or USC or whatever is, then you get pretty good ones, and you're able to make something totally out of it. Totally max them out on their talent. And that's what Mike Riley was doing for a really, really long time at Oregon State. So that idea... Is a sound one. Also, let's and not. I'm not, forget, to- I'm not tossing that in the trash can because that's what. Yes, if you want to connect those dots, that is what Matt Rule is. That is what Matt Rule is. He is able to maximize his players. I will never, ever, ever make that a bad thing. That's no, not a bad thing. It what, just simply isn't. Because I don't care if he follows the same track as Mike Riley. Why? Two things here. When was the last time Nebraska was relevant in any sense? Um, I don't know. Probably when they were top 10 that year. Year two, Mike Riley. Yeah. Okay, so let's just put that out there and be honest about what it was. Mike Riley had Nebraska at its last point of relevancy. So that's number one. Number two, if you flip that and you say, hey, we get tons of talent, but we don't maximize it, you're Texas. Right? That's what Texas's problem has been for the last 15 years. Yeah. Or 09, so 13 years. Right? They always get a ton of talent, and they can't do anything with it. Steve Sarkeesian was 5-7 and seven last year. Got, it's pretty damn close to getting run out of town again. There's The other way is not better. And yeah, just, Frost didn't do either, so it got really ugly. Yeah, Didn't acquire good that good a talent and certainly didn't maximize it. And when he did acquire good talent, he couldn't keep it on campus for more than a year. But I'm just saying, man. There's, yeah, I mean, from where we are right now, there's a hell of a lot of things that are worse than Mike Riley 2.0. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you are. The, the idea of getting a coach who maximizes the players that he has is a, it's good, a good idea. It's, a, it's good a good idea. It's a good football coach. Yeah. That's, also, there's a lot of difference between hiring a guy who's 47 and a guy who's 62. Yeah. There's just a lot of difference inherently. Uh, Wade is our next caller on Big Red Overreaction, which is brought to you by Burton. When you're plumbing certain, just call Burton. Hello, Wade. Good evening. Hey, good evening. How are y'all? Excellent. Well, finally, finally. I mean, we, we finally got a, a win against a uh, quality opponent and on their home field, uh, no less. But uh, I have to admit, when it was 24 nothing, when they scored to make it 24-7, I asked my wife, where are the Toms? I have a feeling I'm going to need them anyway. 
But somehow we held on uh, to win the game, which is something we hadn't been doing. But I knew uh, just somehow that they, they were going to make it come down to the end in the game that, you know, I was hoping I wouldn't have to <laughs> drink another beer or sweat it out <laughs> that, uh, that they wouldn't do that, but they did, but they held on to win. And then the other thing is, uh, kudos to our fans. And when I say our fans, I mean the people that live in Nebraska and the immediate, say 200 mile radius. I mean, I'm, you know, 800 plus miles away and, Mississippi, I can't really make many games, but the ones who are are able to keep showing up. You know, we yeah. were three and uh, seven going into the Wisconsin game, and we've got a sold out stadium. and And I look around the country; I watch a lot of college football. And you know, Iowa they had a chance to win. If they win today, they go to the championship game in Indianapolis. And I saw big pockets of open seats in the stadium near the top, and they only hold 69,000. So, nice. you know, I think there was at least several thousand didn't show. So they didn't even have a sellout for a game in which they could have clinched the Big Ten West. So kudos to our fans who just keep showing up inexplicably time and time and time again. And, uh, you know, whether the sellout streak continues or not, I don't know. But it's never going to be 50,000. Uh, people in the stadium with 30,000 empty seats. We're not doing that. No. We're not going there. So I think our fans deserve a lot of credit for that, for sure. And then uh, as far as the coaching thing goes, you know, if it wasn't going to be Mickey, I either wanted it to be Rule or Fickle. And, you know, Fickle was a long shot, so it pretty much only left Rule. Of course, Rule's not presently coaching, so if we have a deal in place, there's not really any reason to go beyond tomorrow and announcing it unless they're, you know, I guess maybe they're still trying to iron out some of the details or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know that much about contracts, but, uh, and how they work, but I know that it's been publicized that when Trev restructured Mickey's contract, it was in there that if he doesn't get chosen to be the guy, then they retain him as associate head coach and, receivers coach so i don't know how they can promise that to him though well, i mean they can the next coach can still fire him or let him go and but he can still take he can still out. take another job yeah too. Okay. Have to pay him yeah. out. well that makes sense and, and I, I do think i give bill bush a heck of a lot of credit what he's done with the defense but the next guy coming in whether it's rule or whoever i could see them uh hanging on to Mickey. Mickey's even said he wants to stay he would like to stay and be involved with the programs so i don't think mickey's going to leave uh, as the receivers coach, uh, to be a head coach somewhere like Arizona State or Colorado or something like that, because he's already expressed an interest in staying, and that would do wonders uh, for the transition for the new coach. But I don't see uh, any new coach retaining multiple people. If there's anybody that's going to be Mickey, and that's it. Yeah, we'll and see. I just wanted to call and say those things, get you guys' opinion, and I appreciate it. Y'all have a great show, and have a um, hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Wade. Appreciate Thanks, Wade. it. A famous big red overreaction caller, Wade, uh, for some of his thoughts. A little more subdued this time. Earlier in the year, yeah. A little more subdued this time. Um, Yeah, as far as the contract and the details of it and when something might happen, I would say um, you'll probably hear something about it tomorrow. Um, Basically, you know, the situation with Rule is gone. Um, he was he was at the table, um, and there were you know rumors of him being in town or whatever a, a couple weeks ago, right? Um, and then briefly was away from the table. Um, 
And couldn't now, yeah, couldn't agree to terms. And now back to it. Um, and it sounds like they're much closer, much much closer. Yeah, this time around. Yeah. So if he is the guy, um, as as Wade said, I would not expect it to go far beyond tomorrow. Um, maybe Sunday. Yeah, I'm expecting an announcement Sunday. I, I am. Um, I would Monday at the very latest. If it goes past Monday, something went wrong. Yeah. And then as far as retention, we just don't know. I, like I, I, we just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like I, and honestly, I, I want to know. It depends, just on like what, everybody else. Yeah. But I, I just don't. Like, I don't. It know. depends a lot on what the players want to do. Uh, you know, there's, um, there's just so much more opportunity for them now to either move on, move on with some NIL dollars attached, find a system that maybe works for them better than whatever the new coach brings in. Um, so uh, until some of those details are finalized, it's impossible to have any good idea on how that works itself out. Uh, back to the phones. Connor Happer, Robbie Lula with you on Big Red Overreaction, which is brought to you by Equitable Bank, where we take banking personally. Chance Oliver uh, pushing the buttons back here as well. We have Roy who's next on the Lesso's Harley-Davidson hotline. Hey, Roy, what's up? Hey, how you guys doing? Great. How are you? Good. Well, I'm a little bummed about Mickey. I really think... Uh, you know, you got to give him at least maybe four or five years to, to get his guys in there and get his system established, get his culture. You know, I feel like uh, we kind of got, uh, we never got to see that flower fully bloom. That's true, Roy, that. but uh, Mickey Joseph was not the, the full-time head coach. He was the interim coach. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I was kidding. Hey, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not anymore. I appreciate the troll, though. That's good stuff. The only thing I would point out about Rule that concerns me is that at Baylor, he was 0-11 versus ranked opponents. But yeah. That could have been context-specific. I'd like to hear you guys discuss that. For Thanks sure. for taking my call. Thank you, Roy. Appreciate it. Good. I that li- was a good troll. I like that. It was. That was dry. Oh, was very, I thought that was, I was very like, real. I was like, oh, man. Here we go. I, I had that one just loaded up. I was like, well, uh, the interim coach doesn't really usually get five years. Correct. Yes. Accurate. <laughs> people forget. Yeah, I think people have brought that up for rule over the last couple of days. Oh, you're beating any ranked teams, stuff like that. I don't, Again, I, I, you would love it if he was 6-5 and five against ranked teams instead of 0-11. That would be ideal. But um, The other I, thing is, I mean... I believe that's not just at Baylor. That's also at Temple, which at Temple you basically never expect to beat a ranked team. Yeah, you get about one a year usually. Yeah, I think they maybe knock... I don't remember. They might have knocked off Penn State, but I don't remember if they were ranked or not. So, um, you know, also, here's the other thing, and this could also double as a concern from people. He's only been at a place for three years. Right. He's yeah, only, so is that four years at Temple? Four years and at three Temple. Three years at Baylor. Three years at Baylor. So I don't know. Like what what happens? What is the ceiling for Matt Rule? It's not something that we know yet. So I mean, those ranked wins they start to come a little bit later. Also, there is the context of this is the Big Ten. You're going to get a lot of ranked teams. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of opportunities. You're have a lot of opportunities to do um, so. There's also. I mean, and and it's more likely that those teams are going to be ranked based on their quality, right? Yes. In the Big 12, you're probably playing some really good teams every week. They just might not have been ranked. Yes. You know what I mean? And so looking at his resume, the only year they were really good at Baylor. So they improved every year. They went bowling the last two years of his three years there. But the first year they were 1-11, they didn't beat hardly anybody, right? And that was coming off of mass exodus and, and horrible 
issues with their Art Bryles situation. Um, year two, they were 500. I think they ended up seven and six. So the only year that you would expect them to beat ranked teams was his final year there when they're 11 and three, right? So you also have to kind of put some context. Like I would be interested to see how many games that he lost to ranked teams was he a favorite in? Because I would imagine not very many. Yeah, that's a good research project for the next 24 like, hours. Probably only in 2019, I would guess. Yeah. And obviously you've only got a handful of uh, opportunities at that point. So there is some context that needs... But again, you would love it if he was 500 against ranked teams, right? That that would be awesome, and it's an easy selling point. You don't have to have this discussion. But, you know, it is... If, if you have a... Cons- like, having concerns is fair. There is no... Yeah. I said this throughout the search. There is no coach out there, Nick Saban included, that I wouldn't have some concerns about. I mean, Nick Saban's 70 years old. Are you sure he wants to do a rebuild? There's a concern. Like, the concerns of people vary in the degree of severity. You know, like maybe the concerns about Matt Rule are less than the concerns about Jeff Monken. You have to live with what... You have to figure out what what concerns you can live with. Let me flip the rank things, on the the rank teams thing on it just real quick. Sure. So... You look at what Baylor did in 2019, if we're talking about rule, and, and they won 11 games, and they lost Oklahoma twice. One of it was in the Big Ten cha- Big 12 championship game, and they mm-hmm. lost Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Obviously, those are all very good top 10 teams at the time. Very, very they good. didn't play any other ranked teams throughout the, the entire year, at least at the time that they played them. So you could look at that and say, well, Baylor took advantage of a, a lot of different things. Number one, K-State's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma State's not what they're, you know, used to being. And Texas was down. And and TCU was had a rare down moment, right? How many times in the last couple of years have we talked about Nebraska? Have we lamented. It's just regardless of how bad that they have been, even this year, we knew how bad this football team was very quickly to start the season. But you look back and Nebraska only beat one Big Ten West opponent this year. It was Iowa today by the way. Mm-hmm. Shout out Iowa. Nice job on that one. Um, but they had leads against like four of them. They had, I think they had leads against five of them mm-hmm. you know, in the game. So it's taking advantage of opportunity when maybe they're not against, maybe they're, you're not playing like a ranked team or the best team on the face of the earth. But man, there's there's a window of opportunity there and taking advantage of it. And that's what, and that's what his team did in 2019. It's a small sample size. It's just one example. But they took advantage of an opportunity. They they won 11 football games. They went to a conference championship game. That's a real-life thing. Also, for what it's worth, they lost to Oklahoma, who was a top-10 team, by a total of six points twice, one of which was in overtime. Um, they also beat three teams that were receiving votes at the time that they played them. So you're talking about a team that's like mm. top 30 yeah. instead of top 25. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was talking about earlier with the Big Ten teams just being more likely to be ranked. Yes, because yeah. you get the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah. But yeah, he beat he beat three teams that were receiving votes. So you're talking about like a very thin degree here of, right. oh, he's 0-11 versus, oh, he's 3 and whatever. You know? Yeah, what's against top 30 teams? And again, <laughs> Oklahoma, who was a top 10 team the entire year, they lost by, oh, excuse, they lost by 7 in the uh, Big Ten or Big Twelve championship in overtime, by the way. So he took that game to overtime. The first time they lost by three. So like he's very very competitive. Georgia was a top five team. That Oklahoma they lost team go to the playoffs? Uh, no, I don't think so. They were sixth. 
They uh, did they go in 2019? Yeah, they 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 lost, they got smoked by LSU in the in the. Oh semifinal. yeah, they got in. So yeah. you know that's that's a playoff. They game. were the sacrificial lamb to LSU in the first round. I mean, everybody kind of was. <laughs> um, it's not like Clemson wasn't a sacrificial lamb to no, LSU. You're, you're right. <laughs> uh, Connor Happer, Robbie Lula, with you on Big Red Overreaction, brought to you by uh, Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill. Back to the phones. Uh, James is on the line now. Lessels Harley Davidson hotline. Hey James, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, first, thanks for uh, taking my call. I had to step away from my Iowa party here. Oh, good. Um, well, you know, if you, you you could say whatever you'd like to him, I suppose. Well, keep it PG, I suppose. Yeah, I'll keep it PG. But first, give credit to Mickey Joseph and the team beating Iowa. Hasn't been done for seven years. Huge. Um, we were up by twenty four. It was ugly. One of the he's one of the best assistants in the nation, but I believe. He has never been a coordinator before or a head coach. Is that, am I right? Or That's correct. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, correct. he was a head coach at like Langston. NAI, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I don't really count that for Power 5 or Group of 5. So I would agree. Yeah, definitely. I, I hope he will stay, but, you know, I don't know based on the rumors that are going on right now. Um, I, I, I just wish that we would come together and just support whoever we hire because, I just think people criticizing Rule if he's the guy, like choosing a candidate without any experience based on like instant gratification of like an Iowa win is just asinine. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. In the old scheme of things, I think we should have more wins than four this year. So I think it's it's just a no brainer. We should just support whoever Trev hires. So. You know, I'll just keep it short. That's that's all I have to say. So I support whoever is hired by Trev. So thank you, James. Appreciate it. Thanks. And look, um, you know, we we had talked about this just with the timing of all of it and where the sort of fan base has been and the roller coaster that they've been on over the last two plus months here. I'll say this: while it might not be the softest landing in the world, because you're just gonna get you're gonna get pushback this time compared to zero pushback. Sure. The last time, as we've talked about throughout the show, Ravi, that I think that's. Healthy number one, but number two, we're going. Nebraska fans are going to support it. I, I mean, I just this is not hard to talk yourself into. Yeah, and like even if it was, I think Nebraska like they would. People were fired up about Mike Riley, and we I, talked ourselves into Mike Riley. We didn't yeah. have to talk ourselves into into Frost, but yeah, that's what Nebraskans do because we love the football program. Yeah, we're going to get excited about it. People were talking themselves into this year. Despite all sure. of the things that were pointing into this probably isn't going to go well. Yeah, what the hell? I had him at winning seven games. What's wrong with me? I mean, Jack Mitchell had him at ten. Jack man. Mitchell's insane, though. He is an insane person, but like, yeah, there's an eight. There are a couple eights up there. Yeah, you know, there's multiple sixes. Like, this is not. This is a. This is a place that wants to believe in their football program. Yeah. So when you've got a guy who has a track record of turning things around in the college programs he's been at. He has uh, an an identity and a culture that he brings to the table and a brand that he brings to the table. It's not hard to talk yourself into it. And Nebraska's Nebraskans want to talk themselves into it in the first place. Yeah. I, I Like I said, might not be the, the softest landing in the world, especially when you compare it to, to Scott Frost five years ago, but... I really do think it'll take about 10 seconds. <laughs> Scott Frost probably yeah. had the softest landing since Nick Saban. Yeah. If we're being honest. Yeah. 
Like Nick Saban was universally praised, rightfully so. How about how about Lincoln Riley at USC? Could I convince you on that? Um, maybe. Pretty I just soft. don't think USC cares that much. That's true. <laughs> like so half of it's just being a Californian yeah, and half, half of it is like, half, wow, this is really cool. Half of it's just apathy, like, oh, he was pretty good. Why not? Whoa, that's pretty sweet, man. <laughs> nice coach. Yeah, the soft landing is apathy. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that'd be a contender there as well. But, yeah, it's a very soft landing. It's incredibly soft. I mean, Brian Kelly to LSU didn't have as soft of a landing as Scott Frost to, to Nebraska. Yeah. And pe- pe- people aren't going to be uh, – you're not going to feel the need to clap after the plane has landed on this one. <laughs> it won't be that rough. I, I really don't think so. No, I don't either. Uh, all right, Brett and Morgan, hang on the line. We're going to take a time out here on Big Red Overreaction, which is brought to you by Equal Bank. We take banking personally. Connor Hepper, Robbie Lula, Chance Oliver with you as we continue on after Nebraska beats Iowa 24-17 to and claims the Heroes Trophy this evening. Back with more next on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg.